Welcome to Born to Hustle. My name is Roham Carrion. I am here with Howie Nestel. He's the president of Trackmatic Advertising, a speaker. And I might messed up a little bit on the pronunciation, but philanthropist. There you go. Someone you who it. actually oh, uh, gives right a on. lot to the community. And I mean, if you see social media, you are going to see that he's very, very well involved in giving back to the community. Howie, um, out of curiosity, I'm wondering how long have you been the president of Trackmatic? I've been in marketing now for 35 years. So I've done other stuff as well. I've been a partner uh, or an owner in about two dozen businesses in 35 years. And right before the pandemic, I decided that the year 2020 would be a year of simplification for me. So I sold three of my businesses. And then, you know what happened? Everybody knows what happened March 2020. Mm -hmm. All heck broke loose. And I'm glad that I sold my businesses at the end of 2019. And then I was able to focus on my ad agency. And here I am, you know, uh, relatively unscathed <laughs> after uh, Y2K, housing bubble burst, tech bubble burst, 2008, economic recession, pandemic. And we've uh, been blessed and fortunate to have had profitable years since we started. That's awesome. And and out of curiosity, so you started with two dozen businesses back in the day. No, I started with one you st and a $10,000 loan at 10% interest. Okay, that's exactly what started. my question was going to be about. Like, what ignited the hustle? How did you even start your journey? Because uh, here Born to uh, Born to Hustle podcast, I mean, what I really want to learn is what ignited the hustle, what kept you in the hustle, and potentially give yourself an advice about what would you say to your younger self. So to get that started, like, what is it that ignited the hustle that made you into who you are today? It's never one thing. You know, Some there, there might be one catalyst, you know, the proverbial, the straw that broke the camel's back. But it wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. It was all the other straw and hay and things that were piled on for a long time. It just happened to be that that last straw was what made it collapse, right? So there's there there's always something you can pinpoint to, mm -hmm. which was the tipping point, maybe when it happened, when something clicked. But I think it's a series of things that lead up to the necessity, as you call it, to hustle, to make a living, to do better than uh, you were doing before, right? You get to a point where, you know, in my particular case, probably uh, stems back to childhood. Not that we're going to turn this into a therapy session, Rohan, but <laughs> um, my parents got divorced when I was uh, entering high school. And I remember that my mom's business ended up closing down. Our house got foreclosed on. There was a big shift in the economy. My dad had moved from Laredo to Mexico that's when I started getting the sense that no one was coming to save me. So we went from a nice house with a swimming pool, living in the suburbs, having a car, driving to school, that kind of stuff, to, you know, moving into an apartment. My mom went to work for her dad, and things changed. Uh, from that point forward, my parents have said that uh, and reminded me that I never received a penny from them after that. So um, I realized that, you know, 
if it's going to be, it's up to me. Okay. You know, that's, that's there are a bunch of little words with just two letters, <laughs> but if it is going to be, I guess going is a little longer, it is up to me, right? Yeah, that's, that's fair uh, to say. And so uh, I ended up going on a work-study program in Israel right after high school, and I barely made it out of high school. I went to, I went to two middle schools. I went to three high schools a total of four times, including military school. And I actually was asked not to return to military school. So you, you, you got to be a bit of a <laughs> troublemaker to not get invited back to a military academy. Anyway, so I graduated barely uh, high school, uh, made the 97% of my graduating class possible by being at the very lower end of the <laughs> spectrum. And then I went on this work-study program to the Middle East, and I did everything except work or study. Went scuba diving. I did a little bit of work, a little bit of studying, but I did a whole bunch of other real cool things. While I was gone, another thing that sort of triggered me into this hustle mode was that I'm with peers of my age from all over the country that had their act together. They were already accepted in college. They were getting college credit for their year abroad. They already had an outline for what their career and their life was going to be like. And I mean, I was just like happy to have gotten out of barely out of high school. And I wasn't really thinking about anything else, what the next steps were. It's another trigger into, well, look, if I'm going at this alone, I better figure it out. So when I came back, I started hustling in college. I... I uh, did not get accepted, no surprise there, to any of the universities I wanted to attend. Mm -hmm. uh, so I enrolled at uh, Harvard on the Rio Grande in Laredo, Texas, also known as Laredo Junior College. And I had two teachers that didn't know me from before, didn't know my family, had no real vested interest other than their teachers, and of course they care about their students. And both of them independently of each other gave me words of encouragement and said, hey, look, you don't have to be here. You know, college is voluntary. So if you really don't want to do it, why? And so kind of changed my mindset. I ended up with 4.0s at junior college. I leveraged that to transfer to UTSA. I got 4.0s there. Then I leveraged that to transfer to UT Business School in Austin where I graduated with a very high GPA. You know, even my mom would say, what happened to the old Howie? What did you do? <laughs> you know, how did this all of a sudden come about, you know, from barely passing and getting kicked out of multiple schools in middle school and high school to going to good schools and, and, and getting high marks. I ended up with multiple offers to work in either finance or marketing after college, after university. And I took a job and I was, I was already in, full hustle mode. So I worked for Procter & Gamble and I worked in the Dallas area. And one of my goals was to build the largest display of crest and scope ever done in the company's history. And I did that with a company that was owned by Walmart at the time in a partnership with a uh, grocery chain and it was called the Hypermart. And I forgot how many pallets display it was, but I had to sell it in <laughs> to the store and then get the displays built. 
You're talking about thousands of bottles of, of scope toothpaste and thousands of tubes of toothpaste in this gigantic display. And so I was written up in a magazine for Procter and Gamble, and I got you know national accolades for that. And I and I got addicted to the winning mentality and winning philosophy. I was able to do it in college. I was able to do it, you know, when I when I worked and made money for myself in high school. I mean, I had made tens of thousands of dollars before I got out of high school because I had to. Mm -hmm. That's fair to say. Yeah, and I realized that you know if it's going to be, it's up to me, and so. I just continued it. So then I moved from Dallas to San Antonio. I worked for an advertising agency. That was my second job out of college. And I was the 17th or 18th highest or lowest paid employee at the company. So there were about 22 employees. I came in at around number 18. And, and if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm very competitive. So I, in my mind, I am always competitive. I know people say, oh, you should just compete against yourself. It's not a competition. Enjoy life. Well, I can't turn that gene off. Yeah, so, I completely disagree with that right. anyways. Yeah. yeah. So, so I said, hey, what does it take to move up the totem pole here? And they said, sell. Be a rainmaker. Bring in money. You bring in money, you get paid more. So I went from account service to account development, and I started bringing in clients. I still did my account service job, but I also brought in clients. So I went from number 17 or 18 to number four. Didn't make a lot of friends within the company because of that. I had a few, but there was people that didn't like that because who's this new kid that just came in, all of a sudden he thinks whatever. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Why? Because I'm helping make the owners more money. So I'm bringing in more money. So they paid me more money because they wanted me to stay. Then I started thinking, well, wow, if I'm making the rain, why don't I just make it for myself? Well, I didn't really understand savings back then. So I was blowing all the money I was making. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was living, you know, in a crappy apartment behind Kroger back when there were Kroger's in San Antonio off of Blanco and, and Jackson Keller. Some of your listeners will know where that is. I didn't even know Kroger was ever in Oh, San yeah, man. Kroger was here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. I only went to a Kroger once in Tennessee, and I, I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, my God, what is <laughs> Did they exist? Yeah. We had Albertsons here. I didn't even know that yeah. either. No. But now we have H-E-B. <laughs> There's a plug for H-E-B. They can sponsor the podcast. Born <laughs> to Hustle. Anyway, um, so... The apartment complex was, you know, spray painted, landscaping was horrible, you know, it's kind of sketchy. But I decided to start my own business out of there. I went and got a $10,000 loan from somebody that I knew from her dad. Um, and then, and she was actually a coworker of mine at the ad agency. And then we started a little marketing firm with $10,000, 10% interest. Paid it off in the first year. We're profitable in the first year. We landed three recognizable clients within, I would say, 30 days of starting the business. So this whole thing about a slow ramp up, again, I didn't know that. I didn't even know about business plans, really. And I went to business school. But I was like, ah, no business plan needed. I know what needs to be done. And I concentrated on being the rainmaker, the one that brings in the clients. Uh, we built the agency. I ended up selling it to my partners. I moved to Houston and worked for one of my clients. And again, I became the global sales manager there for a chemical company, made more money than I could spend, 
because I was helping bring in millions of dollars to the company. So they were paying me quite handsomely. And then that wasn't my thing. I liked business ownership, so I wanted to go back to that. So I came back with zero clients, no business plan, the experience I've had from previously being a partner in a business, and then also working for this chemical company, working for Procter & Gamble in sales, working for the ad agency in business development. And I started another agency. And within, uh, I used to have nightmares, Roham, that, that, I, that I couldn't get clients, that we had no revenue, I didn't know how I was gonna pay my expenses. Those were my, my nightmares. But yet the reality was quite the opposite. I would go out, network, Chambers of Commerce, Hispanic Chamber, et cetera. Hispanic Chamber became one of my clients. Telemundo became one of my clients. I, then I got the opportunity to pitch Coca-Cola. And I remember driving to Atlanta because I didn't have the money to fly. And back then it wasn't Southwest Airlines, by the way. You know, it was like Brand F and these companies. It was like $1,800 or $1,600 to fly their round trip. So I ended up uh, renting a car because my car wouldn't even make it to Atlanta. So I rented a car at the airport and I took off. And I drove 17, 18 hours, went to a meeting, landed the account, came back and started operating and doing business for Coca-Cola, doing marketing stuff, regional marketing stuff for Coca-Cola. And I've never stopped hustling. Even at times when I think about, do I really need to work or do I have to work or do I like to work and do I want to work? And it's usually the, I like to work and I want to work not I have to work. And there's, there are two speeds for me. Off, which happens, you know, for a few hours a day, you know, mostly when I'm sleeping or hanging out with my kids or goofing off. But even then, my mind is working on business stuff and angles and quotes and talks and speeches and articles. It just, it, it's, it's, it's now really in my DNA. And... And I love it. I make no apologies for it. It's part of who I am. It's part of how I define myself. But now the philanthropy aspect comes in where I get to leverage my contacts, leverage my experience, leverage my clients, and then help nonprofits. It's, you know, a perfect marriage. So I've found purpose, meaning, and uh, excitement and passion in, in what I do and how I do it. It's a little unconventional, but it works for me, you know? And at the end of the day, who, who's the main actor and producer and director and scriptwriter of your movie? It's you. Mm -hmm. So why, why would you want to live somebody else's script? That's fair to say. I remember this little saying, you, only you are more interested in yourself than anybody else. <laughs> like, right. like, that's true. It's true. It's just, if, if anything, lately, as I've been talking to other people and uh, other business owners like yourself, I've noticed that some of them do get family support. Some of them do not get any family support because it's a different type of lifestyle and not everybody understands it. Some individuals, they go to work, they go home, and that's it. They just go home and, and, and they don't think about the next step. They don't think about anything else. They just go to their job. And and, and I've, I don't know if you agree to this or not, but even when I get out of work, I'm still thinking about the next step. I'm still thinking about the next level to, the next way to level up. The, the next, I'm, I don't know if you notice on my LinkedIn, but I write a lot of articles. 
So what's the next article? What's the next content? What's the next research? What are what do business coaches do? Like legit, what do they actually do? Right. Sometimes I ask myself those questions. And um, it's really interesting stuff. And even yourself, I, I like, okay, I see howinestill.com. That's cool. Let me look at it. Oh, that looks so nice. I uh, And I continue researching, researching. And some individuals, when it comes to the hustle, is it doesn't really mean nonstop work. Sometimes it just means that you got to just identify what is the next step and proceed forward yeah, from there. Great point. It's not just all work. And, and man, you touched on a lot of cool things because one is the support. Support is nice, but it's not necessary. It really isn't. <laughs> it isn't. It's nice to have. It's one of those things. It's nice to have. But, but do you need it? Let's call it a pillow, right? It's nice to have a pillow when you go to sleep. But if you don't have a pillow, you're still going to sleep. <laughs> yes, See what I'm saying? Yeah. I so, actually like that reference. Yeah. 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 So um, so I, I like support and recognition and pats on the back and I'm with you and I got your back and all that. But if I don't get that, I don't care. My actions are still going to be the same. I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to take the path and fight the good fight, whether there's an audience or there's no audience. And that's ultimately part of finding your passion and your path is, you know, would you do it anyway? You know, even if you don't get paid, even if you don't get recognized, even though those things are nice, but even if they're not there, I'm still going to do it because that's what I was meant to do. That's a really strong point right there. Because some people, individuals say like, oh, because I've noticed this, like even uh, through networking, I've noticed some business owners brand new into the business or brand new into the hustle. And they're like, well, I'm just not making enough money. And, and I don't know my job security and this and that. I'm like, okay, well, what have you actually been doing? Like, what have you decided to take this journey? Have you even considered committing to this journey? Have you registered the business and done it for two months and that's it? You're just going to throw in the towel? Like, I understand that you like the support. Like, you, how can I, how, how can I describe this correctly without offending anybody? No, you have to offend people. I can, let, let me help you, Okay. <laughs> 90% of the population mm -hmm. is waiting for something to happen. 10% is making something happen. And if you're not making things happen, you're in the 90 percentile. But congratulations, I'm not talking about you, Roham. I'm talking about people in general. If you're not, if you're not the type of person who is making things happen monthly, weekly, daily then you're in the 90 percentile of the people that are just waiting for something to happen. I'm just waiting for my boss to give me a promotion. I'm just waiting for my, my immediate superior to move to another department or to quit so that I can have a chance to maybe get her job. I'm just waiting for, these are the people waiting for things to happen. And guess what? Sometimes things happen. But the saying is, Sometimes shit happens. And so it's usually not a good thing that happens. So if you're just waiting around for something to happen, there's a good chance that whenever it happens, it's not going to be good. So if you want good things to happen, go make them happen. It's that simple. Now, it's easier said than done, right? But it requires getting up, getting off the sofa, turning off Judge Judy, throwing away the Cheetos, and going out there and hustling. Meeting people, networking, calling, studying, learning, emulating, failing, 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 shifting, pivoting. I, I, I used to be 
a procrastinator, okay? I would put things off. Eh, I don't have to do it today. I'll just wait. I'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'll do it next week, whatever. It wasn't until I traded in my personality of laziness and paid the upgrade charge to adaptability that things really started to change for mm -hmm. me. And I tell people all the time, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a person who's just living life, if you're not adaptable, you're going to have a very hard life. Because if you're so rigid and you want things to happen and you had a certain idea and I, by the time I was 30, I'm supposed to do this. And if you're that rigid, you're going to have a miserable existence and you're not going to be very successful. But if you're adaptable and you could shift and pivot and pick yourself back up and fall and stand up and fall and stand up and learn and adapt and go, you're going to do much better. Adaptability is the name of the game for entrepreneurship and for life. And most people are not adaptable. And the older they get, the more rigid they become. Yeah. The more it had to be the way I imagined it to be. Guess what? It's not going to be the way you imagined it. It's not going to be the way you planned it. Some things are going to work out. Most things are not going to work out. Adapt to them. But just realize that that road less traveled of how it turned out could be pretty damn good. But you're not going to see it because this is what you wanted and this is what you, where you ended up. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I was part of the 90% once upon a time. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being We've all been there. Yeah. There's comfort there. There's a lot of people. <laughs> you have a lot of friends. Everybody's in the same boat. Yeah, for you know, sure. You can blame I, the president. You can blame the color of your skin. You can blame the your, the your your parents didn't have the money. You grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I came from a country that doesn't recognize this. I didn't have the right. I didn't have the opportunity to go to education. These are all resources. And the, and you're and you're pinpointing the lack of resources and everybody's in this boat, the 90 percent, and they're all comfortable. And yes, you're right, Roham. Yes, Howie, this, this and the waves and the wind and the sail is not going in the right direction. But, but then the 10 percent is saying, hey, you know what? It's not resources. It's resourcefulness. How resourceful am I going to be if the wind isn't blowing and the sails aren't filling up? Then we're going to make an oar. And we're all going to start rowing because that's where we need to go. That's the first and thing that, I was thinking. And that's where you become resourceful. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't even know how or when you become part of the 10%. I know that eventually something clicks. Yeah. And but it doesn't just, click it, for it, everybody, I'm telling you. Yeah, but. It's not an automatic. It's, I know. Sometimes it takes a lot of realizations and self-reflection. Because I used to self-reflect a lot. Like, where am I really going to go? And I think that really happened more when I was actually coming back to the civilian world. Because I was former military. And I. I came back once upon a time to San Diego. I, I look, for me, I look at the city after months of not looking at the city. And I was like, whoa, the city, like, like I felt like I was going back into the, even though most of my life back then I was living in, I was living in the modern world. I remember I was gone and I came back and I felt like I, like the world just continued without you. That's right. how I felt. It felt, it was really interesting. It felt like my family completely forgot about me, which that's not true. Your family, right. yeah, they don't forget oh, yeah. about you no, whatsoever, no. but you're yeah, so exactly. disconnected from the world. It really feels like that sometimes. But once I returned, I remember I was having different moments. Like he said, it's not just one thing. It's just multiple things piling up at the same time. And one of them was just like, where am I really going to go? Like, I know that I I used to say world domination as my, as, as my, as my slogan, but the, the world was dominating me. So that's exactly what I was like, wait, like, what am I going to do realistically? And that, and just because I said that, it didn't mean that I became 
part of the ten percent. It took months right. <laughs> of self reflection and multiple instances. Because even when I started taking some action and I and I built my first uh, contracting business, I, I still waited a lot of things to happen instead of making things happen. I made a few things happen, but realistically it was part of the like the, the job duties or like the duties that I was expecting, but I never went beyond mm-hmm. in order to control aka your own destiny to actually make things happen. Which it's like, hey, dude, I'm working. I'm doing everything that I'm doing. I'm thinking about my goals. I'm thinking about where I want to be in 30 days. Where do you want to be in 60 days? And where do you want to be in 90 days? That's actually my framework all the time. But I never actually fully, fully, fully grasp it. It's, it's like comprehended, which is very different, comprehending it. Comprehending what it means part of that 10%. I don't even know when that happened. I just started just yeah. making things happen out of nowhere. Yeah, I call it, I call it a knowing. It's probably the same thing, just a different word. You said comprehending. But, you know, we've all been in the situation where you have a knowing. You just know it's the right thing. You know what you should be doing. If you sit with yourself quietly, and you can have your 30, 60, 90-day plan, and I love that because I never really liked when people say, well, in five years, I plan on what... That's so far in the future that chances are you're going to forget about that in 90 days. Where are you going to be in five days? Don't tell me five years. What's going to change between Monday and Friday? You know, that's a goal. So I like what you're telling me. But there's got to be a knowing. You get to a point where you just know. You feel it. It's in your super conscious mind. This is what I was meant to do. This is what I was meant to be. This is how I was meant to do it. These are the people I was meant to do it with. And you just know it. Now, that changes. That's where the adaptability comes. But for the most part, there's this inner guide, you know, like a compass Mm -hmm. that you have inside that even if you don't know exactly where you're going, you know the direction. And you start going there. And miraculously, you end up getting there, you know? And then you get to the next destination and the next destination. But you can't know what your 5 and 10 and 15-year plans are unless you start to achieve your 5, 10, and 15-day plans. That's fair. And then your 5, 10, and 15-week plans. And then your 5 and 10 and 15-month plans. And then let's talk about 5 or 10 years. But by then, it's not going to matter because once you accomplish those smaller ones, you got it made. Everything because happens. after that, it becomes a machine, man. Exactly. It's like a whale-oiled machine. I, I, you know, somebody asked me a while back, um, I had written an article for San Antonio Monthly Magazine that, oh, I read your article. It's great. Are you working on another article? And it had just come out. And I said, I'm not sure, but I probably am. You know, (laughs) but I don't, sometimes I don't know how, what my mind is working on. That's fair. Yeah. And then next thing you know, oh yeah, I'm asked to do another article or something for the Express News. I'm like, yeah, I have it already. And it was already working and it was already being, being written in my head. Just to add something to it. You, you mentioned like maybe the five years, maybe a longer road, something that I've noticed drastically, and I've learned this concept stronger when I was in financial services and I was a financial professional and whatnot, is that stuff changes dramatically within four months. Oh, yeah. Stuff changes dramatically, especially within six months. New job, new career, got laid off. 
my wife is pregnant, quote unquote. I don't have a wife pregnant right now, but like yeah. as an example, right? Like now she's pregnant, everything dramatic. You landed that one deal that changes your life and now all your goals have dramatically changed. That's why I always stick with the 30, 60, 90 day goals because in 30 days, if you stay consistent and you're not procrastinating, you're actually getting stuff done, a lot of stuff, it's going to dramatically change. Absolutely. Dramatic. Like if you do a lot, of, and that's actually one of the few things that actually helped me click on the 10% side is you see so many dramatic changes that you made happen. I'm like, dude, imagine, imagine you're not at, the, at the 90 days. Imagine you're at the six months. So that's something that really helped me out. And yeah. just stick with the 30, 60, 90 day goals. And maybe one year, where do you want to be by the end of the year? New year, new me kind of deal, you know? Mm -hmm. But thinking so far into, like, for example, you talk about the pandemic in March. Did you know? That I started a brand new advertising. You know those people from Sense Club trying to sell you NTNT? Yes. I used to be that guy. Wow. But I was really good at it. I used to wait for you at the line. Where are you gonna go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, yeah, that's it. how you used and to. And you have the personality for it. You have the personality where people want to talk with you. Oh. And just chit-chat, you know? <laughs> Trust me, I was like, and I used to be so casual about it. And, and I remember with my suit and I saw the iPad and I can see sometimes I'm like, oh, they this just never go away. Right. And I'm just like, hey, man. So realistically speaking, you're going to be in the line. And I already know you have Verizon. So I used to do my due diligence as well. And I was like, I know you have Verizon. And uh, and I used to start my pitch. And then they're like, all right, man, what you got? And I knew that they were willing to listen to me for two key reasons. Number one, I'm just very handsome. Yeah, for sure. That was one. And I, I was saying because you have a great personality. But let's go with handsome. Yes, yes, yes. For my, for the sake of my, for, for, for the sake of ego, let's take that. Yeah. And number two is because. I noticed that sometimes people have this, uh, what's the word for it? Like, I might as well. Like, I'm already going to be in line. Right. Might as well. And they give me that opportunity just like like, like to, to actually pitch them. But what really built the trust, and I feel like sometimes as, as entrepreneurs, we have to do our due diligence. I remember I knew NTNT, Sprint, Verizon, and T-Mobile, like the mobile plans by memory. Mm -hmm. So when I used to literally say, if you have four phones and this and that, well, how how long ago? I remember I used to calculate your bill without asking how much you paid. Amazing. And when I did, I was like, look at your bill. Sometimes I was off by a few dollars, two dollars, three dollars, a couple cents. You have any idea the strong control that I got after that? Right. Because. Because you know your stuff and you're proving it. And I, I proved it first. I didn't boast about it. And that's something I've noticed as well. You got to prove it before you boast. If you're boasting, you def, you, you got to prove a little bit more than just what you just boasted. So it's better to prove it and then just boast. Because if you boast, you have to really outperform it in order to, for that boast to be justified. Right. So when I proved it, now they trusted me a dramatic amount. And I get the chance to have my own marketing firm doing exactly that in Memphis. But you know when I moved? In March 3rd wow. of 2020. Wow. So I started it with a pandemic. And I didn't even know the pandemic was the thing. I remember everything was in the news. And I was yeah, like, oh, cool. Right. Yeah. And I remember one time I looked at this object. And I was like, this thing is really cool. And this person told me, like, hey, we're going through a pandemic. Don't be doing that. And I'm just here confused. What pandemic, bro? Like, mind your business. And I just, like, probably in my face and minding my own business. I was really ignorant about, like, what was going yeah. on. You know how I find out? When the lockdown actually happened, and my my face was like, "What's going on?" It's like the pandemic, and I'm like, "What pandemic?" Right. So that's um, I completely forgot what was the point of this story, to be honest with you. But the point of it was, 
completely forgot the point. The hustle. Oh can yeah, take place things dramatically change. They dramatically right. change. I remember, yeah, because I used to do my 30, 60, 90 day goals. All those goals were in keeping with the with the sole fact that there was no pandemic. I was very ignorant about it. So when as soon as the pandemic happened, what do you think the goals happened? Everything changed. I was selling NTNT and and other stuff. That's not important, you know. Like back then, like that's not that's not gonna life. That's not gonna change the fact whether you're gonna die or not. Like that's just a what is the right? What, you what, might what, save a few bucks and you're just changing carriers. Right? That's it. And the only thing that I was able to survive was because of the phones. Nobody cared about cable. You would have assumed that people would care about cable. Now they're gonna be home a lot longer. No, they were just like, no, we're just gonna. Uh, watch Netflix and just do absolutely nothing because I cannot afford it. And people start canceling and canceling and canceling. I was, I was really feeling it. So we had to change everything, the strategy, the way we have to approach them. Came to the point that I remember I was pushing myself back in the day saying that I'm doing the very best that I can, working these 12 hours, working from like the moment Sands Club opens to the moment they close because eventually I don't have to. Eventually, I will be the one recruiting people where they're going to do it for me. And I'm going to train them so well that I can make sure that the business is profitable without the the need of my attendance. That was the goal. And it was working for a while before the pandemic changed everything. And now I have to be out there once again. Everything completely changed. It wasn't about, oh, I can just be in the office and relax and finally breathe. Uh, stop the hustle kind of way. Just like I kind of made it, kind of... You know, pack myself right here, right. flex this a little bit, and then that I think that was a humbling experience. I think and again, I kinda wish it didn't happen, but I kinda needed that to happen in right. my life for me to acknowledge that okay, do not take stuff for granted. Just because no. you made it does not mean that the hustle stopped. No, no, it does it doesn't stop. You're either someone who hustles or you're not. But this whole thing about turning it on and off and whatever, eh, doesn't doesn't happen. You think gym rats just go for like three months and bulk up and then they stop and don't do it for a year and then they go back? Mm -mm. No. They're in the gym all the time. You know? that's You either are or you're not. That's, you know? Yeah. Now, can you become? You can absolutely become. But that's where you set a standard. You either say, I was born to hustle and I haven't been hustling and that starts today i'm gonna start hustling but once you start it's not a week it's not a month it's not a quarter you become that right it's like becoming an ex like an ex-alcoholic right you stop you stop it's not a eh, now occasionally i'll just have a drink or whatever not gonna not gonna work you know it's the same thing with hustling but look there's nothing wrong with being in the 90%, waiting for things to happen and be average and ordinary and get the same results that everybody else gets. You have a job, you get your paycheck, you don't complain, you don't rock the boat. But even those people are not safe because the market changes and now they lay off 5,000 jobs, you know? And guess what? You're one of them. Sometimes they're the first ones to get affected. Yeah, of course. But if you're the rainmaker and you're bringing in the money, you're going to be the last one they let go. Yeah. You're literally in your own economy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so there's no downside to being a rainmaker. Now, is it the easiest thing in the world? It's not. But once you're good at it, I mean, you know, what? once you once you get some sales under your belt and you taste it 
and you feel it and you smell it, it becomes like, ah, this is what I know I'm good at. And why would all of a sudden you be really good at selling, you know, cell service and cable for three months? And then all of a sudden, without a pandemic, by the way, I'm just saying just in general, you think that the group that's coming to Costco or Sam's Club tomorrow is not going to be the same as the same people who've been there for the last three, three months? It's the same thing. Once you get the recipe, once you get the formula, once you get those wins under your belt, you'll be able to continue to do it. And then when there's a pandemic, when there's a, you know, tech bubble burst, when there's a 2008 recession, guess what? You already know how to pivot because then you just go do it in another industry with a different group of people, with a different product, with a different service. It's no different, man. Selling, communicating, touching uh, lives, helping others, being philanthropic, helping nonprofits, inspiring others. That doesn't change. We're all humans regardless of what conditions around us change. That's why you see people who became very wealthy in a particular industry, went bankrupt, and within a couple of years or whatever, they're back. And now they're loaded again, they make a bunch of money. I mean, you know, you think Elon Musk was born with some kind of like genius gene that can help him create electric cars and put rockets into space and do AI and PayPal. No, it's not. It's just that he understands the game and the hustle and he does it, you know? Yeah. And he sees it through. You even see him saying that there's no actual, like, big guys. Like, there's no actual reason, reason. He just gets up and does it. Yeah. So when he said that, I was like, yeah, so he's just a man of action, period. And and, and one of my favorite things, as you were talking about that, I was like, one of my favorite things that I've learned from a mentor of mine was, it's not how much you make an hour, but how much you're worth an hour. That's what you really, like when you're the rainmaker, how much are you worth an hour? That's the real question. That's the real grind. If you're trying to say like, let's get this bag and you're working on an hourly job, you're not getting this bag. The reality is how much are you worth an hour? And that's something that only you can decide for yourself and your own efforts alone, your own actions will give you that amount. If you're not doing the action and the effort and everything that we just talked about, then obviously how much are you actually realistically worth an hour? You know what I mean? That's actually one of my favorite sayings of all time. Like and just to add something more, since you already told me what ignited the hustle, what kept you in the hustle, um, what would be an advice that you can give yourself as a, a younger version of? Like now, to this point, if we can go into a mirror and you can see younger Howie, what would be one of the few advices that you would say? Yeah. I, I you know, I can't even remember ever answering that question, but I really like it. And I would say, I would love to know, have known then what I know now. So if I could go back 25, 35 years and then give advice to myself, I would say get started early. Even if you don't know the actual destination, put into play those right things. The things, back to the knowing, the things we all know we should do, turn them into must-dos. And do it early. But we're, when we're younger, we're lulled into this false sense of comfort that, you know what, nobody really expects much from us because we're still young and carefree 
and this is the time to enjoy life and to play and to travel and to get in the car and drive halfway across the country and go see a concert and just not give a shit, sleep in people's, you know, on people's sofas. And I get there, been there, done that. I have the T-shirt to prove it. <laughs> but the sooner you get on the path, you could still do those things and enjoy them. As a matter of fact, if you get on the path to hustle, to making money, to serving others, to finding your passion in life, you'll have more time, more energy, more focus, more money to go do those things of goofing off and having fun and being young and carefree because you're working towards a meaningful goal and a meaningful life. But if you're not working towards that meaningful goal and meaningful life and you're just goofing off and having fun and being carefree and crashing on people's sofas and you don't really give a shit how you make money, you know, you just get these odd jobs and you're just kind of passing the time. What tends to happen is that you get comfortable there. You still complain that you don't have what other people have and all that, but you start to surround yourself with people that still that have that same attitude and disposition. And sometimes you start hanging out with people that are a little bit beneath you to make you feel better, you know? Well, at least I have an apartment. My car might be a piece of shit and it has no air conditioning, but at least I have a car, you know? And then you find yourself, you're 30, and you start to ask yourself, God, man, is this what really life's about? And that's why there's all these sayings, you know, life sucks, then you die. Not really. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Life is awesome. There's so much to do, so many people to meet, so many things to explore, so many things to learn. But you're keeping yourself ignorant. And, you know, as the saying goes, ignorance is bliss. If you don't know it's out there, hey, you're just having a nice life. I didn't know there was a pandemic. You're just having a good old time until somebody tells you. Yeah. And then, I had no know, idea. Mike Tyson's quote, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Because you, you walk into the ring thinking, oh, I've seen video of this guy. He's not that big of a good of a fighter. He's not that fast. I'm just going to dance around him and all that stuff. And then he pops you in the face, <laughs> you know, with a thousand pounds of brute force. And now all of a sudden you're seeing stars. All of a sudden your plan is out the window. That's what life is like, you know. But if you're in shape, if you hustle, if you go in with your eyes open, if you learn, if you connect, if you help others get what they want, miraculously you arrive at your destination. Yeah. And this is miraculously, but realistically it was you. Yeah, it was, right. Like Because you're doing the right things, you know. Are you always going to do the right things? No. But we all know the right things, you know. And if we all know the right things... Why are we putting on weight? We know what we should be eating and not eating. We know what we should be drinking and not drinking. We know how much rest to get. We know we should stay hydrated. Yeah, and sometimes Coca-Cola, the vanilla, the vanilla flavor, oh, I just eat so well. Yeah, especially yeah, with, a, with, a little, <laughs> with a little rum or a little whiskey. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that hits yeah. the spot. Yeah, but you know, you know what I'm saying, right? No, what does and you can, you, you know, look, it's very hard to stay in the hustle 24-7, but at some point it just becomes, it becomes your default setting. He really does. You know, you have to remind yourself, hey, man, relax, enjoy it. You don't have to work as hard anymore. You don't have to do it. You just like it. It's just, it just becomes your default, you know? 
And once you get addicted to those good things, man, get addicted to all the things that are positive, all the things that help humanity, all the things that help you, all the things that help your family, all the things that, that are good. Yeah. And then you're going to have a good life. But those are the hard things to do. You know, the easy thing is staying home, watching Judge Judy and eating Cheetos. But if you always do the easy things, you're going to have a hard life. And if you do the things that are hard, you're going to have an easy life. That is true. It sounds counterintuitive, but it's absolutely true. It's only and I only agree with you because I know I went through so it feels it feels miraculous because you went through so many challenges and you're looking back and I'm like, "Wow, I somehow made it." But realistically speaking, is that it wasn't miraculous at all. You made it. That's the that's the thing. Because yeah. I I can look back into all the challenges and don't even don't even ask me how the heck I survived the pandemic with the with the marketing firm. Eventually I went back to Texas, but that was because my daughter was about to be born. And I was thinking about like, yeah, I think it's time to go back to family. Because yeah. in Tennessee, I was all by myself. But other than that, I would have, with through pure, pure, pure effort alone, I was going to survive the pandemic. I survived. Yeah. Now take this though. Um, you have not, not you, Roham, not me, Howie, not you, the audience, but no one has actually arrived at the destination and everything is finished and there's nothing left to do, okay? You arrive when you decide you arrive. Now, you can say, a person can say, I've made it, meaning I've achieved the goals I set out to achieve, but now it's time to set some new goals and some different goals. That's where my transition really from career to calling takes place. My career is in marketing. My career is in helping clients grow their business. But my calling is to do nonprofit and philanthropic work. So I've been transitioning from my career to my calling, which is my passion, my mission, my purpose as a human being. And so now I have new goals there. So even though I have achieved what I set out to achieve and even more so than I ever dreamed of and imagined with my business and businesses, I realized that now I have other goals and other things I want to achieve. And now my time frame is shorter. You know, I'm older. I have less days on this earth. Now I got to hustle even more mm -hmm. because I have less time. And now because I have so much knowledge and experience in doing all these other things, I know what's possible and I know what's going to take to achieve it. And what's going to take to achieve it is doing a lot more than I used to do 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's you, you're connecting the dots a little bit into the future by knowing and connecting all the dots of everything you've done in the past. That is data. This is a guesstimate of what's gonna take place. You have a good idea of what needs to be done. And that's where I am now. So I get excited that I have a whole new set of goals mm -hmm. and challenges and opportunities, and I wanna to rise to the occasion. And it's a true measure of a person, right? Because, hey, are you gonna rest on your laurels of all the things you achieved and all the accolades, you know? Like, like that movie, Napoleon Dynamite, where the brother or the cousin or whatever is like, oh, when I was in high school and he's still living in a trailer throwing the football and I used to be the quarterback. And, you know, the guy's like really not accomplished anything as an adult, 
but he's living in the glory days of being a high school quarterback. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh wow, I cannot imagine that. I don't. I don't want to be there. I don't let myself rest on whatever accomplishments have had. Those, in my opinion, are stepping stones to what's going to happen in the future, mm-hmm. right? But if you only worry about tomorrow with anxiety and you have regrets of what you didn't accomplish yesterday, last year, 10 years ago, the regret and the fear are going to rob you of your present day. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to spend all day long concerned about, you know, or regretful that you didn't do it sooner. And you're going to be worried about tomorrow because how am I going to pay my bills and how am I going to do this? That you can't live in the present day and you can't hustle. Mm -hmm. So what do people do? They just watch a movie, take a nap, get drunk, get high, just to forget. Yeah. You know? Escape, basically. Escape. So regret and fear, the twin thieves that'll rob you of your present day. So if you do the right thing in the past, guess what? As you're moving forward, you feel good about it. You have no regrets. Mm -hmm. And if you're confident in yourself that you're going to be able to achieve a lot because you know you're an achiever, you're a doer, you're a hustler, you can make it, you have no fear of tomorrow because you know you're going to get up and you're going to take that day, seize the day, right? Yes, 1,000%. Yeah. And uh, by the way, guys... The, we're, run, we're running out of time. So, Howie, before we end this podcast, and then, by the way, thank you so much for coming and giving me the opportunity to have you here, have you as a speaker, share your insights and your valuable knowledge. So, do end this podcast. What would be, you got 30 seconds to promote, advertise yourself, anything that you want whatsoever, you got 30 seconds to promote whatever you want. Ooh, I'm going to take less than that, and I'm going to give you a great close, okay? okay? Which is my personal motto and credo in life. Hoorah. Okay, first of all, you want to get a hold of me? Go to sharkmatic.com, S-H-A-R-K-M-A-T-I-C.com. Look me up at howienestel.com, H-O-W-I-E-N-E-S-T-E-L.com, or on social media, howienestel. Um, and certainly, if you want to get involved with me on a nonprofit, I'd, I'd love to have you. Children's Rehabilitation Institute, Discovery Camps, my collection drive for the homeless I've done for 27 years called Gotcha Covered, G-O-T-C-H-A, covered.org. And I'll leave with this. If you want to have an extraordinary life, destroy the law of familiarity. Thank you, everybody, for coming to Born to Hustle. This is Ron Carey, and I'm your host. 